Welcome to Building Healthy Relationships, the Four Habits podcast, helping you enjoy better harmony at home, thrive at work, and win at life. Here are your hosts, Dr. Andrea and John Taylor Cummings, recognized authorities on the subjects of improving work relationships and cultures, as well as couple and home relationships. Well, welcome. Welcome to another episode. And today we're delighted to have another very exciting and interesting guest with us. We've got Gori Olusina Daniel with us here today. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff because today we're going to be looking at how you do business internationally, um, specifically cross-cultural relationship habits for success. Yeah. Um, we're really excited about that. Such an important conversation. And I know Gori has a wealth of information. So we're so delighted to have you join us on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for being with us. We should, we should, we like to give a, an, an official introduction. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest, uh, and then you can see the context and then we go from there. Yeah. Go for so, it. so Gori is trained as a business economist and over the last 20 plus years has developed a career as a highly skilled transaction advisor to governments, uh, multilaterals and private companies having completed a range of research, policy, transaction advisory, and strategy assignments with organizations like Deloitte, uh, DT Global, the World Bank, uh, African Development Bank, the UK's uh, Foreign and, Com and uh, Commonwealth Development Office, and Transport for London. Uh, he currently serves on the technical advisory panel of the UK-funded High Volume Transport Applied Research Program as the technical lead on the Access to Climate Finance Research Project, which is seeking to build the capacity of low- and middle-income countries in Africa and Asia to access climate finance. Given his rich and varied experience, Gori is recognized as a thought leader on public-private partnerships and infrastructure finance, and has contributed towards raising $120 billion for the delivery of large-scale infrastructure and concession projects such as the London Oyster Smart Card and Crossrail, as well as a number of road, uh, bus rapid transit, uh, rail, renewable energy, real estate, and human and institutional capacity development projects across the UK, Asia, and Africa. You can see why it is such a pleasure and privilege to welcome Gori to this episode with us here today. Wow, what a, what a write-up. <laughs> I mean, just think big. Billions exactly. across the world, huge infrastructure projects. So Gori, welcome. Andrew, John, thanks so much for having me. It's, I'm delighted to be here. And you, we're just so excited about this conversation because you will have so much to share with us about doing relationships well when you're working cross-culturally. I mean, in your bio, you're talking Asia and Africa. It's basically all the continents, I think. We've exactly. heard just about everyone um, mentioned there. But let's just start with a little bit more context from you, Gori. What, what's your passion? What are, the, what are the things you're involved in right now uh, that you're really passionate about doing and delivering? What, what drives your focus at the moment? That's going to take me back a little bit. You know, I, I think, it, I, I think um, there's a saying that says you find your purpose in your passion. And mm -hmm. if, I, if I drill down to um, something that's common across all the things that really gets me energized and excited is the idea that I'm moved by unrealized potential. Wow. You know, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, w w when I say I have to think back, you know, I go back to when, when I first recognize this uh, this was probably uh, back uh, at, at university when i just realized this is really what moved me the idea of bridging the gap between uh, what's possible um 
and what at the moment seemed, you know, impossible. Uh, and and I and I and I caught, and I sort of capture capture that in in unrealized potential. And I ended up even as I was working through um, this passion of mine, I ended up developing a phrase that I've just lived lived by for uh, for the last thirty years. Uh, certainly, the last twenty five years is that you know I, I want to be focused on the development of people, companies, and nations. And mm-hmm. it's I, I go back to that 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 sort of sentence and that sort of thought because it's you know now looking back i see i see that you know i'm actually doing some of the things that i was really really passionate about and some of the things that i captured into that statement you know for the last uh, 15 20 years a lot of my work has been working with countries uh, particularly developing countries helping them um structure projects access finance and it's something that 25 years ago when i made that sort of statement i never thought about in oh, in the no. slightest um so I, I i remember i remember building on 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 this sort of thought and when i added nations that was just a completely distant possibility mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I i knew that you know working with people working with uh, companies could get me into management consultancy which is where i started um, helping companies think about what's possible uh, and then structuring plans to help them get from, you know, where they are to where their strategic planning goals led them. Right, right. And now nations, you know, it seems like just an addition at the end of the sentence, but wow, <laughs> has that become the, the your your playing ground is how do you do what you do on a large scale you're, I can see you're such a visionary. So how do you make what seems impossible possible on, on, on national scales impacting countries and continents from what I, from what I understand? Any more that you want to no, unpack I, 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 at, I, I, at a high level on that? I think I've dug myself a pit by talking about, uh, you know, some of my, you know, what, what my wife calls grand views. I honestly <laughs> really believe that anything is possible mm. when you think outside of limited time scales and resources. Yeah, mm. Right. My my view is the word impossible really means it hasn't been done before. We don't yep. know how to do it. Right. And and, and so um, I find particularly in emerging markets, uh, low middle in, income income um, uh, countries, you can take some of the learnings from advanced countries and just transfer them if you are culturally sensitive. So a lot of the pitfalls in our industry is the idea of trying to do that without being culturally sensitive, which is what links into the, the conversation that we're having today. You can't just cut and paste. You've, yes. got, to, you've got to take um, from models that have worked and then you've got to pay attention to the nuances of, of, of certain environments and see how some of that learning can be adapted and, mm. and, and, and actually improved upon, which is some of the stuff that we're seeing in emerging markets where, you know, even now, innovations in emerging markets are coming the other way. You know, just this week, we learned that BWD, the uh, Chinese electric vehicle manufacturer, has mm-hmm. just overtaken Tesla in sales uh, in in uh, global sales of e- electric vehicle cars in quarter four two thousand and three, China, which wow. just years ago 
was considered an emerging market is mm. now developing companies that are uh, globally competitive. That could take us on to a whole other <laughs> conversation and maybe it would be good to do, you know, podcast version too, because I really believe that with technology, with artificial intelligence, with the, the, the global playing field that we have in terms of potential customers, emerging markets, and I think of my own little country, Jamaica, can leapfrog in their position of influence and impact and income if they could just if we could just find a way to harness it and use the the natural resources i mean in jamaica i think everybody there is just so clever we're known for doing things either really well or really badly yeah. <laughs> you know the international reputation but that's a whole other conversation we'd love to have how can we i i'm sure there's so many lessons to share but what comes to mind picking up on that point of cultural sensitivity mm. in a relationship context, you know, when you are, uh, whether, it, whether it's the innovations from the more developed countries going into these emerging markets or the other way around, what are some of the lessons that you've learned around cultural sensitivity and around doing relationships well on this cross-cultural platform? Um, I think, I think perhaps the biggest is, um, recognize that every day is a school day mm -hmm. right the whole concept of um being intellectually curious right um holding no assumptions you know there is there is this tendency to overgeneralize when it comes to relationships when it comes to engaging and and that is essentially the recipe for disaster when mm. you're engaging uh cross-culturally because mm. You know, while, while there are uh, commonalities, you know, every culture uh, prides on respect. But respect in the English sense, the UK sense, which, which you know, and we can't really um, run away from the fact that even in the UK, there is significant cultural diversity, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. this is not just about country level. This is about recognizing that countries, companies are collections of peoples, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and even in families, which I'm sure we'll, we'll come to when we're talking about relationships, even within my family unit, which is just four people, three plus myself, we are four different personalities. So, That's right. So, so take, that, take, that, take that, blow that out of the sort of small family unit into a community, into a company, and into a country, you realize how important this idea of cross-cultural uh, se uh, sensitivity is. And for me, the one abiding rule is you've really got to take people as they are, mm -hmm. not yeah. how you think they are. And the only way to know how they are is to engage mindfully. Wow. You're so talking our language. And you know that. <laughs> I mean, you're literally talking our language when you talk about the four habits and you've already said curious and assume nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but go, go on, go on. Every day is a school day. I, well, I love that. I made that made a note of that point. That every day is a school day, and that's absolutely the mindset to approach these things with. Yeah. No, that's well, that's absolutely true. And 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 um, and you know, for me, I think I think that really encapsulates it. You know, you really have to um, um, engage in every situation, especially when you're dealing with people that you're not very familiar with. Um, <laughs> you you've got to help yourself by not mm. necessarily relying on everything that you thought before you engaged right 
you know, while in the professional context, preparation is everything, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that preparation within the case of relationship management within the business context really should be about listening to understand rather than to respond, right? So you mm -hmm. really have to be clear about who you are, what you're trying to achieve, but you really have to pay attention as, um, to how what you're trying to say or do is being received by the people that you're working with. Yeah. You know, and it amplifies as, you know, that engagement is beyond one person. You know, because what I what I what I'm saying is my key learning is if you're working, say for instance, if I'm working on a transaction for a particular country, mm -hmm. the reality is that I'm not working um um for a country, I'm working for a department, a division, an agency mm -hmm. within the yep. company. Within the country. However, the decisions that we take or they can take is impacted by a chain of other stakeholders, right? So one of the key capabilities that um, we have to develop is that idea of stakeholder engagement, stakeholder management, understanding where this individual, where this company, where this team sits within the ecosystem, right, of stakeholders that are critical to that decision. So we're talking citizens, we're talking senior government officials, and in some cases, yeah, particularly in, in emerging markets where emerging market economies where perhaps the institutional <clears throat> framework is not as developed, the, the idea of institutional alignment, and by that I mean everybody being on the same page, is a mm -hmm. bit of a fallacy, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, so you then, in engaging in, that, in those sort of contexts, have to be so present so that you can really understand what is said, what is meant, and what are the implications of that before you respond and you, before you engage. So this idea is of preconceived um, positions before you engage is a recipe for disaster and failed projects. Wow. That, that, as a consultant, that must take so much confidence uh, to go in with that humility. I mean, I'm using two words that are probably used in opposite positions, mm. but to, to have the confidence to go in to say, I know nothing and I'm here to learn in order to give a, a, a meaningful response, you know, a professional response that, that, that must put a lot of, it must take a lot of emotional intelligence from you to be able to put yourself in that position, read the room well, and then respond intelligently to what you're hearing. What are the skills that you found yourself pulling on uh, or that you've had to develop to do relationships well in that context? I think you've touched on a big one, and that is, and that is humility. And, you know, the, it, humility, I think, is a word that is under, understood differently. You know, I want to yeah. shy away from using, you know, the negative part of that, which is, you know, you know some people understand humility as uh, an, an admission of mm -hmm. knowing nothing or not being capable. Right. Correct, yeah. Um, others understand humility as recognizing that everything you know is not all there is to know. Right. Absolutely. You know, because especially in our industry, people engage us for what we know. Right. Absolutely. But so we need to respond by recognizing that everything we know is not all there is to know. Right. And 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 that I found that to be disarming, particularly with clients. Because a lot of times people actually hire clients to tell their board what they've been trying to tell them, 
that the board didn't want to hear, mm-hmm. right? But because it comes from, there's some sort of external validation from a so-called expert. Experts, yeah. The engagement, right? The engagement um, allows them to achieve their objectives a lot faster. Um, and I, I normally come from a position of respect to my client. My mm. sense is that my client knows enough to bring in outside help when she or he needs, needs it, right? Mm. My client knows enough to be trusted with the resources and the power, right? And the leverage and leeway to be able to bring in external help. And I will do myself a disservice and my team a disservice to engage thinking that we are the white knights who have yeah. all the answers because, because that's not that's not true and i find that that is critical to building relationships because no one wants to hire someone who they think will make them look bad in yeah. fact yeah. in my firm in our firm our position is that our job is to make our clients look good that's what we do and, yeah. and i always also engage with the sort of mindset with my teams is as consultants our job is to be invisible right we may bring in some smarts, we may bring in some frameworks, but what, what we're trying to do is build capacity, build the profiles of the people who, who have sort, seen it fit to bring us along the, along the line. And that is why, you know, on some of the you know, major projects that we have been involved in, we will never hear us mentioned because it is mm-hmm. the entity that is, it is, it is it's a company, it's the agency that is driving the program that deserves a recognition you know not the consultants that yeah. are, are just it's, part of the process it's it's a fantastic approach and absolutely we would agree the right mindset to 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 adopt what what happens though or, or do you have any examples where you might have gone out with that intention but you actually haven't either been able to achieve this and maybe this was in the early days when you were still holding some of these skills here but haven't quite been able to achieve that and there have been some tensions with the client or things just haven't worked out well. Um, just wondering if, if there are any examples you have of that or you've observed of that and maybe maybe other people doing things that haven't worked out well and then what can be done to get things back on track i guess is would be where we're trying to get to from there just to see if people start off and don't get it quite right are there any tips or tools that you might have to get things back on track to get back to this approach of um you know approaching that that mindset of everything we know is not all there is to know and actually treating the client with the respect that you speak about um I, I think that's a great question, uh, John, because it allows me to step back and 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 inject some realism, right, mm-hmm. in in what I've just said, right. So what I've just described is is me is us on a good day, yeah, right. Uh-huh, there you go. <laughs> these these are these are our intentions, right? Three hundred sixty four out of the three sixty five, right? <laughs> these, these are our intentions. These are this is how we want to show up. 10 out of 10 times yeah but the reality is that you know um you know organizations aren't individuals right um and and sometimes we i don't have to go further than our firm we have come across i have come across uh don't forget i'm saying that when we when we engage on projects we engage with multiple clients right so you might have a paying client and that paying client may have multiple individuals who are part of that decision-making process. And all you need to do is get it wrong with one yeah. because you're trying to get it right with the other, right? 
and this is where <clears throat> this sort of cross-cultural intelligence, stakeholder engagement matters. All you have to do is get it wrong with one and not be present enough to manage that exposure for everything to just fall down. Right? Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know, part of the challenge that we have working with multiple stakeholders concurrently is being present and alive to these principles all the while. I think, I think the point that I made is reinforced, right? When you, when you get to a point where someone who is part of delivery or part of a decision-making in terms of your engagement to, does not feel disrespected, yeah. does yeah. not feel included, does not feel recognized, that relationship is breaking down if it hasn't already broken down. Yeah. And what yeah. you then have to do is be present enough to realize that you know, there's, there's, been, there's been some sort of uh, dysfunction in how we're coming across. And then you've got enough think about how you bring that all back because people need to be left. You know, I, 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 one of my former, former bosses and mentors, you know, he said something to me and, and to us that has always reinforced my mind. You always have to leave people feeling big. That's Where, powerful. Whether you're doing in that case, um, uh, a corporate change program where, you know, which is a, a euphemism for letting people off, or you are creating new opportunities, whatever you do, when people join your own organization, when people leave your organization, when people start with your project, when they leave, you always leave them feeling big. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that if we did that all the time, we would we would be in a much better position. And, and, and I think it's from those sort of reflections that I'm able to respond to your questions in that way, that it's important yeah, to make yeah. sure you feel people respect, leave people feeling respected, included, and considered. Yeah. Do you know, that is, we, we love that. That is so powerful. And it really reflects how we've moved on in our approach to management and leadership, because there was a time where management and leadership was, was about being the expert, was about telling people what they need to do, uh, was about turning up in all your brilliance to impress, especially if you were a consultant, you know, you, the mindset was that was what you were paid for. But now to do a really good job and to be really effective, it is about the relational side of things. It is about the respect and the inclusion and the empathy which is why, you know, we, we treat inclusion as if it's an additional thing to do alongside the day job when <laughs> inclusion is about how you do the day job. It's what you do all the time. Yeah. It's not it's not a special skill and relationships are such a key part of that. Um, any other lessons before we move on to how this big wide world of work impacts relationships at home? Any other lessons in the relationships cross-culturally that you wanted to share? I know you could probably write a book, but anything top of mind <laughs> for the podcast? Um, I think, I think um, we can spend perhaps a whole day talking about, you know, cross-cultural relationships and, and, and lessons. Um, but I guess, you know, um, for the sake of your listeners and, and, and reflection, I'm, I'm trying to drill it down to these sort of universals and, mm. and and I think for me the the third one that sticks to mind is this is um up there with you know you know we we talk traditionally when we talk about intelligences we talk intelli uh, traditionally about i q right yeah. and and we're now 
going into the sort of um, EQ space, emotional mm-hmm. uh, intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. Emotion. But I think that a third dimension is cultural intelligence, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. It is a competency uh, that is required because we, when when we talk about cultural uh, cross cultural relationships, a lot of times we think about ethnicity, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. The way the way that I think about it is beyond uh, ethnic boundaries. Yep. Is basically yep. recognizing that culture is really about how we show up, right? And at the individual level, you know, it's how you treat people as individuals. You know, mm-hmm. one of the greatest learnings that I've had over the last three to five years is this point that I was just making. The fact that, you know, uh, when you're engaging, you, that long, it's, I think we're, we're, we're far, because we're now more of um, an everyone matters culture now, mm-hmm. rather than a command control where, you know, people are asked to conform. Mm-hmm. You have to consider everybody, right? And when you get to a point where you think that, okay, these are the only people that are important, it is the gatekeeper, right, that is going to get you into trouble mm-hmm. because of the way you dealt with, the, yep. the way you, did, you didn't show them the sort of respect, inclusion, and consideration. It is someone that you consider to be inconsequential that mm. is now going to trip you up. So I think the greatest learning is you really, really have to hone into the fact that everyone is important. Um, you need to make sure that you are showing up with that consideration always and not just when you feel like it. And not just for show. It has to be who you become. Genuine. Yeah, yeah. Because if it's not genuine, it, you know, it's obvious. They'll exactly. know. Exactly, they'll know. If, if, yeah. if, people, if people realize that you're just doing this, you know, for some sort of um, alter, uh, you know, ulterior motive, mm. it, it won't land well, right? Uh, to, use, to use a phrase that I've heard you guys use, it just won't land well. Yeah. Um, you know, for it to land well, it has to be authentic, right? Yeah. Uh, it has to be authentic. And it has to be something that, um, you know, I think the fourth element is not something that you switch on. It's who you are. Yeah. Yeah. That's who you become. So powerful, Gory. I mean, what what you're saying, I love love that line that everybody matters. You know, the one-on-one, your ability to build quality one-on-one relationships, getting that skill right will Mm. open doors in palaces for you (laughs) because you know how to treat everybody with respect. We could, there's so much more we could unpack there, but I want to bring it to maybe a more, a closer context, maybe the home context and, and, and kick off with the question, you know, working on such cross-cultural multinational projects and programs, I'm sure will pull on your time and attention, pull on you physically taking you away from home how do you manage the dynamic with uh, your uh, relationships at home with your wife, with your kids, and making sure that life is in balance, given that there's th- th- there so many pulls on your time in such high profile projects and programs that you're involved in? I think the short response is with difficulty. <laughs> no, honest response, can, absolutely. Can I can I raise that and say with intentionality? Because <laughs> that was going to be the, that was going to be the that was going to be the the, the, the end with yeah. difficulty and intentionality. So, um, I've been really blessed, right, with um, uh, an array of mentors 
that have really, really helped me. My, my wife and I have been together for 22 years, married for 20. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I remember uh, when we had our first child, um, I had my first um, uh, really significant senior management role, and I was struggling. And the CFO, whose name uh, I, I won't mention at the time, who, um, who was, didn't manage me directly, uh, but uh, was one of my mentors, he gave me some advice, um, uh, which, which I took with a pinch of salt, and I, I, engaged, uh, I, I, um, I challenge your listeners to do the same. Um, I, she, he, his view was that you know my, you know, I was struggling, and I was saying that to my mentors, and he, he was saying that um, what I need to remember is that my wife is biologically disposed to to take more of the load and (laughs) and um uh thankfully i didn't take that message home with me uh because Mm -hmm. i don't think my wife would have been um uh you know uh, fascinated by that even though i've got to be honest that is how i was disposed at the time Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but uh, my wife and i have been friends for much longer than we've been a couple Uh, Mm -hmm. and i think that's helped us to 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 build that sort of um, a relationship where I see her as my friend, but I need to make sure she is fine. If she's not fine, I'm I'm not fine, and that yeah. led to some degree of adjustment. And and then my next mentor, uh, who was slightly more balanced in his approach, <laughs> um, his view was: what you have to do is be intentional about the time that you spend, mm-hmm. and how and how you meet the needs that I expressed. In the demand for your time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love that. How you meet the needs that are expressed in the demand for your time. Yeah, yes. I don't, I'm not finding I need any soul to go with that one. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. But I like the wording. Yep. How you yes. say it again. How you um, meet, meet the, the needs that are expressed that's in the expressed demand, in for, the your demand for your time. Yeah. Right? Because the reality is, right, um, you know, uh, because of the, the nature of the work, we are away uh, 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 quite often. Um, the intentionality for me is making sure that I touch base uh, with my wife every day, right? No, you know, every every day, no matter what what I'm doing, um, I respond to my girls whenever they ring, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. And we're talking about wherever you are in the world. You could be across the other side of the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because the reality is that they will know that I'm away. So yeah. if I get a call, it's important. Yeah. Un- until I hear it's about the remote control. And I say, look, I'm in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so just so the audience understands, we're talking about your wife and your daughters. My, my wife and my daughters. Yeah. Until, yeah. I, until I hear that it's about... You know, something that could wait. And then I say, you know what? I'm in the middle of something now. Yeah. Let's speak about this later. Because I think it's important for my most important relationships, particularly my, 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 my wife and my, my children, that they do not question whether I put whatever I'm doing before them. Right? Yeah. And that's the intentionality that uh, Phil, let me, let, me, let me say the name of the mentor who gave me advice that I'm using. Phil said, you've got to be intentional. You've got to yeah. put... Yeah. Put your you, your most important relationships at a point where they realize that they are on a pedestal, 
and that they allow you to be you and to do what you do, right? Mm-hmm. And and I mm-hmm. think that's that's really really helped me. Um, this has translated in 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 you know perhaps paying for domestic support uh, and things that perhaps I I I would have had to do uh, myself just to lift the load on on the family. It's also uh, uh, played out in the discipline and how I've engaged to make sure that my girls, um, you know, you know, play a role from a very young age. I think, you mm. know, I, I think this is something that I, I grew up with. This is part of, I, I, I remind my, my children that, you know, we have a heritage, an African heritage that includes making sure that you are, you show up and you contribute wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's part of our discipline. And what that has done, um, you know, is made up for perhaps some of the slack that I would have had to do because now, you know, it's not just on my misses. It's mm-hmm. shared as part of everyone's responsibilities to, yeah. to, to yeah. do something in, in, in the home. And I think that speaks to the, the intentionality point, Andrea, that you, that you mentioned. Yeah. It's so important for us to be having this conversation and for people to be hearing from somebody as accomplished as you and dare I say from a man as well, how important it is to be intentional about the relationships, to be clear who your priority relationships are with and that they enable you to be the powerhouse that you are in the corporate world Um, and make the time to feed those relationships because we're coming out of a mindset. We're still grappling, I think, in the corporate world with this mindset that anything that's personal and private should remain outside the office door. But hearing you talk about it is giving people permission to pay attention to the things that are important to them in their lives that allow them to show up well in work. What else have you learned in that space that you think you, you you know what are the what are the i suppose what's the relationship advice what other relationship mm. advice um have you had that you would want to pass on especially to young professionals to your girls even yeah, yeah. people out there um i really want to pick up on uh, the the point that you have um uh, that you you've just made about um being comfortable in your own skin about mm. the relationships that are priority, yeah, and and you know I I I don't take any credit um, for for um, my orientation. This is why I had to start with the idea of being blessed by mentors ahead of me mm. who actually mm. made me realize that this was important, right? And and you find that you know skilled professionals are you know, are selective about the environments that they work in these days, mm-hmm. which, which means that employers have to recognize that if you want to get the right people, mm-hmm. you've got to take them as a whole. Yeah. You've got to recognize that, you know, if they have a bad day at home, if they have a child that is failing sixth form, right, or 11 plus because they don't have the parental support that they need, mm-hmm. they, can't, they can't turn up at work 100% right yeah. because they they have the the home issues and and this and, and this is why um I, I think that the world of work is changing and any sort of um employer that hasn't changed with the time is just going to miss out on some of the best and most talented people absolutely but, but the flip side of that is what you said is 
basically people turning up and recognizing that, look, what's important to me should be important to my employer. Because <laughs> it's really, the way that I look at it and I've developed it is that I think my family relationships actually feed my soul and energize me for the work that I do. Absolutely. Knowing that, knowing that, you know, I have uh, showed up, I have contributed to, you know, what makes them, um, you know, turn up at their best, right? Which I think is my role as a husband, as a father, you know, to work with my wife, to work with my daughters, to make sure that they turn up in whatever they're doing at their best. Yeah. Um, yeah. Knowing that I've done that allows me to take two weeks off to do something. The other thing that, you know, uh, that I've developed, right, is this idea of never being away for too long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, before COVID, my, my too long was 10 days. Um, uh, but sometimes I, I, I go, go because I think it's important to maintain that connection. Mm-hmm. But there are times, right, where um, I, I know, and it may well be true for us someday, where couples have to live apart for, for an extended mm-hmm. amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think the, the same way that you use intentionality, finding, finding a way of making that work for them where that connection is burnished, reinforced, is, is critical because you know the the quality of your um personal relationships has a real way of helping you manage stress increase your productivity on tasks because you're focused mm. um uh, and and also take pride in what you're doing because you know both your work life and your personal life are now reinforcing rather than competing yeah Oh, that is just gold. Just hearing you say, you know, we 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 could have you on a stage just talking about why paying attention to relationships and doing relationships well, especially the most important relationships to you, are so vital for well-being, for resilience, for performance, for career progression. Just that support. Oh, you're getting me excited all over again, and I know we need to be wrapping that up. Um, but I, I, I guess my excitement is that this is a message that people have been saying in the quiet, like in a one-on-one mentoring yeah. session, and not realizing that the mindset, if you don't adopt this mindset of treating the person as a whole, you won't have the right policies in place around, you know, flexibility or uh, hybrid working or all the things that people need to help create a, a more sustainable work-life balance so they can turn up and play full on. If you don't have the right mindset around that, you won't have the right policies and therefore you won't attract the right people. Mm-hmm. That is a conversation that corporates need to be having. But we still, we find that there is still some resistance to the idea of relationships and the skills, the human skills that you need as a manager that you really that's that's what you really need to manage teams well and allow people the space to turn up well and look after the people and things that are important to them there's still a lot of pushback there so this everything that you're saying is so vital that's what that's what we need to be talking about in the yeah. corporate world now and and things to aim for things to aim for doing as you say aim for 10 out of 10 365 days a year we're not always going to get it right there will times we'll drop the ball things we'll miss we've got to be real about it but at least we know what we're supposed to be aiming for what the gold standard is 
where, where we should be. And that it's about sure. who you're becoming yeah. as a person, what you are developing. You know, we're, we're just saying back to you everything that you've said because, you know, you've shared insights oh, I mean, that are making just... Making some notes as we've gone here, some really powerful insights there. Well, but I do like that one about meeting, how did you say it? Meeting the needs that are expressed in the demands for your time, being intentional about doing that. Because there are going to be any number of demands on our time how do you be intentional about meeting those needs and recognizing all these people are pulling on me, which are the ones that I really need to get back to, focus on, invest in those relationships. And and really what do, stuff. yeah, and for the people who are really important to you, what do they need from you so they can thrive and become that support for you to thrive? I love that. That is just gold. Every day is a school day. I know. There's so much <laughs> that we've covered, Gory, and so much that I'm tempted to ask, but I'm conscious of the time. Any final thoughts? Anything that's kind of come to mind that you want to share as a, a parting word? Maybe the golden rule, which we all know, but it's worth reminding ourselves. Um, and I certainly have been reminded um, with some very challenging relationship um, issues that I've had to deal with. The golden rule is to treat people as you want to be treated. And, you know, oftentimes, particularly in the work environment, that is challenged, mm. right? When you are uh, barraged, uh, where you may well be ridiculed, where you may well be undermined. The golden rule doesn't change in those circumstances. Mm. Um, you know, and 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 I think we've got to really borrow a leaf from Mandela, right? Which says, you know, you, you, how, how did he, how did he put it? Um, uh, you've got to shine a light on darkness. I'm paraphrasing. Yes, now. yes. From that point, yeah, you've got to shine a light on darkness. Not meet darkness with darkness, with darkness right? Yeah. So, uh, and, 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 and I think that, um, it, you know, uh, I think, I think it was Mahatma Gandhi, uh, who said an eye for an eye leaves everyone blind, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So, so that's why what you do is rather than responding darkness to darkness is you respond, uh, you, you shed light on darkness. Yeah. You, yeah. you reflect the sort of behaviors that you would have appreciated in how you respond to uncomfortable and dysfunctional situations mm. in, in business and in life. Which takes a very grown up, confident and humble heart to be able to do that. And I love, you know, we're going to end with, with what you just said there, because we like to talk about the core behaviors that mm. we need as managers and leaders in order to turn up well, to have better conversations and to achieve better outcomes. And importantly, to model it well, to model what good looks like mm. so that those coming behind can follow. Yeah. Well, right. what I'm taking away from that is leave everybody feeling big, as you said, feeling big, feeling, feeling big. well, feeling good, not feeling low, not feeling down, not feeling bad, feeling in a good place. And I want to add one more because it's something you said earlier, to know how to leave people feeling good, you have to understand their cultural context of what respect looks like. Mm. So I love it when we talk about treat people the way we want to be treated. But if you go in treating them exactly the way we want to be treated, yeah. you can get it wrong. Yeah. So you have to understand the cultural context of what respect looks like, what honor looks like. You know, when we lived in Japan, we had to learn that saying no 
directly to somebody's face is considered rude. Here it's what you expect. Yeah. There it's rude. So treating people with respect yeah. isn't exactly how you want to be treated. No. Well, no. Doing the things, showing respect is different, is yeah. what I'm saying, in different cultures. So yeah. yes, we all want to be treated with respect. Well, the language is no, you to treat it. people equally well. Yeah. How you do it might be different depending on different cultures and so on. But the feeling, it's the feeling of big, good, well, that you want to leave people with. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the gold standard I think you were talking about. I like your line, treat people feeling big. And it's our job to figure out what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. There you go. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you, Gori. We've learned some stuff here, some really powerful insights for our audience here. Oh, yeah. Thank we have you. some of your quotes now that we'll be using. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Some really, Thank really good stuff. Thank you for having me, Andrea. Thank you for having me, John. It's really been a, a, a real pleasure um, uh, um, spending time with you. And I must say, as you know, I'm a big fan of the work that you, you're doing. I think that oh, this idea of relationship mastery, relationship intelligence um, is really something that every professional um, uh, needs to engage with um, so that they can show up well, not just at work, but fundamentally well at home. That's about who they're becoming. Thank you. Bless you. Yes, exactly really right. Um, is there, if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, Gori, is there contact details that we can probably have in the show notes, maybe think about uh, if somebody wanted to contact you for the amazing work you do? Sure, just look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, okay. Corey Olushila Daniel, uh, I'm there and would be happy to engage. Yeah, wonderful. I think everybody's going to want you to mentor them after that wonderful uh, <laughs> insight you gave us about balance in life. Uh, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Thank you. maybe we have you back for another time. I, I'm thinking Jason round two. These wonderful thoughts around two at some point. I'd love to. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you so much. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. We hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did and you want to hear more, the best thing to do is subscribe. Then you'll never miss an episode. There's a new one every Friday. You can stay connected with us on social media at The Four Habits for updates, behind-the-scenes content, and to participate in discussions related to the show. We always love to hear from you. And of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your preferred platform to allow us to reach more listeners and help people around the globe radically transform the way they do relationships so they too can enjoy better harmony at home, thrive at work and win at life.